All right, guys, and if you want to head that way, the first text that we're going to look at is going to be in Philippians chapter 3. All right, so I'm, you can probably gather from that I'm going to be cheating a little bit this week. I know uh, uh, we've got one sermon left in our series that we were about to finish, and I, I'm going to delay it one more week. This weekend, I got to thinking about the topic we're t- going to talk about today, and I just felt like some words needed to be said about it. We needed to go to Scripture and, and see what the Lord has to say. Uh, we're going to be dr- addressing the topic of perseverance today. We're going to be talking a lot about struggles and difficulties and pushing on and, and pushing forward. Our first passage is going to be in Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. Uh, if you would, if you would stand with me in honor of reading God's Word. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. The Apostle Paul speaking, he says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You may be seated. So the first thing that I want to do is just kind of define a little bit about what we're going to be talking about today, what these scriptures we're going to be looking at are going to address. We're addressing the issue of perseverance. And in this first passage, the Apostle Paul starts by telling us that he is not perfect. He's not attained all that the Lord wants him to attain when he called him. He still has struggles to go through. He still has sin to work out. He still has work to do that he's not finished yet. Uh, This is the Apostle Paul. He talks about the need to pursue the heavenly prize that's set before him. That no matter what comes, he doesn't look behind him. He's constantly pressing forward. He continues pressing on. And that's what perseverance is today. We're going to talk a lot about uh, those stumbling blocks or struggles or difficulties. Things that can knock you off course We need to continue pressing on. God has called us to great efforts, to do great things in the church, in our own lives. And that call isn't just for Paul. This is something that applies to all of us. Paul is a great example for us. He's one of my favorite people in all of Scripture. Uh, If you took Jesus out, he would probably be my favorite man in all of Scripture. He faced difficulties like probably nobody in this room could even imagine. For most of his life, he traveled for years, uh, he was beaten, he was imprisoned, uh, just, just about everything that you could imagine he confronted at some point in time. And in spite of all of those things, at the end of his life, Paul could say, I have fought the fight, I've ran the race, I have kept the faith. We are to fight the good fight in the same way. We need to be single-mindedly focused on what God has called us to do in this life. Uh, No distractions. There's nothing more important than that. That should be at the top of our list. There's nothing that could be more valuable than what God has us to do. Paul in Philippians chapter 3 verse 8, he says that he counts all things as loss except the knowledge of Christ. We need to be willing to forsake everything. There's a crown of life that is waiting for those that persevere in Christ in this life. And I want to get into a little bit about what would... What would those difficulties be? 
What, what are maybe some examples of that, some things that we might have to push through? Uh, that'll take us to our next verse. If you want to head over to the book of Revelations, chapter 2, we're going to read verse 10. And this is Jesus talking to the church at Smyrna. Revelation 2.10. He says, Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Right out the gate, as soon as we get started, Jesus tells them right up front that they are going to be sufferings. There's going to be difficulties. He doesn't lie to them. He doesn't sugarcoat those things. Now, he tells them not to be afraid. And that's important as well. But he doesn't approach the issue like he's selling these people a used car. He, he tells them the truth right out of the gate. We're told in this passage where those struggles originate. Where do they come from? What their source is. Uh, that While he might work through people in our lives, ultimately our enemy, the one that we're fighting, is a spiritual opponent. We need to love and pray for the people who do us wrong. And part of that is because Satan is the true persecutor. He's the one that's going to throw them into prison. He's the one that's threatening their lives. He's the one that is going to test their faith. He's going to see how genuine their belief, their trust, their allegiance to Christ truly is. These people are at the very minimum going to be sent to prison. And the text we just looked at pretty strongly implies that at least some of them are probably going to die as a result of that. But one of the greatest truths in this passage isn't what's going to happen to them. It's the duration of the struggles that they're about to approach. Ten days. There's going to be ten days of suffering coming their way. You can imagine how in the grand scheme of things, across time, ten days is nothing. Uh, that, that's a moment. It, it's here today and gone tomorrow, right? Well, I would like to put to you that just as 10 days seems like nothing compared to eternity, 80 years is nothing compared to eternity. No matter how hard they may be, no matter how many struggles we might come upon during that time period, the Bible tells us that what we struggle with here is not even worthy to be compared with the glories that are going to come in the future. Scripture says that the present is but a light affliction, that it's far outweighed by what is coming. There were later leaders in the town of Smyrna that we know that were put to death for being leaders in the Christian church. We know that. That is a historical fact. These things came to pass. Uh, but it was all ultimately worse than, and our Savior never enticed any of these people with ease. He never said, come follow me, and everything is going to be fine until the day you die. He tells them up front that there are going to be difficulties. We're told in Scripture that that applies to all of us. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 says that all who live godly lives will be persecuted. Not maybe, not they're a little bit more likely to be, the more faithful that you try to be, the more confrontation you're going to run into. We have a great example 
in Scripture, all over the place of men that were faithful in the absolute worst of circumstances. One of the first examples you can think back to your Sunday school stories that we all used to listen to. You can think about people like Daniel's friends going into the fiery furnace and God being there with them the entire time. We need to draw strength from those examples. And the reason that these things are so threatening, those struggles, we'll address in our next passage. If you'll turn to the Gospel of Mark chapter 4. I want to read a couple verses here. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. This is Jesus talking. He said, These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. To be saved, we must be born again. That's what the scriptures say. And sure evidence that you are born again is remaining in the faith that you come into. If you haven't received a new heart, you have no root. That's what Jesus says. And what exposes that rootless nature? Tribulation and persecution. Persecution and the difficult times will make evident where your allegiances truly lie. We can make a a profession of faith. We can walk an aisle. We can say a prayer. And we can fall later. There's no doubt about it. Scripture makes that absolutely clear. But true faith lasts through all things. Many may be very nearly persuaded. We see examples of that in Scripture and never come to Christ. Many may respect godly people but have no godliness in themselves. And we'll address this issue a little bit more later on. But these difficulties, these struggles uh, have exposed the rootless nature of countless Christians over the last 2,000 years. And I want to address why. Why should we persevere? Why should we go on when things get difficult? If you will, turn with me to our next passage in the book of 1 Corinthians. We're going to be in chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. So 1 Corinthians nine twenty-four. He says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. So Paul teaches us important truths here using a race metaphor. And he says to run the race. Run the race of your life like you're trying to win. Don't just half-heartedly walk your way down the track. Many people, when they're training for a race, an athletic event of some kind, they make sacrifices. They work hard. They train themselves to be better. They deny themselves certain desires. And they do all of those things for a temporal 
perishable, temporary crown that is going to fade away. Some glory that does not last forever. Rewards that are just, like I said earlier, here today and gone tomorrow. Our reward, the reason that we should persevere in our faith is not like that. It is eternal. It's something of infinite value. There is nothing that could be more important. Why in the world would we not be willing to do the same things that those athletes were willing to do for a temporary prize? Something that was going to fade away. Paul says that he does not want to be disqualified. He doesn't want to be somebody who when the test comes, he fails. His faith shown to be uh, not genuine. If we continue sowing, if we continue pushing on, if we continue persevering, we are going to reap eternal life. Revelation chapter 3 verse 11 says, Hold fast that what you have that no man can take your crown. And scripture also says that someday our corruptible bodies, our mortal lives, they're going to pass away. But those corruptible bodies are going to put on incorruptibility. It says that death will be swallowed up in victory. And that eternal prize, that, that reward that lasts forever, is the reason that we should push on and persevere. If you will, look at me, or look with me at our next verse. We're going to turn a few pages over to the book of Philippians. We're going to be in chapter 1. Philippians 1, 6. All right. So Paul speaking here, he says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So the question is, where does that perseverance come from? Where does that drive, that desire to keep pushing, no matter what those struggles might be, where does that come from? Paul tells us right here. He says that he is fully persuaded. He is absolutely confident that the good works that have been started in them their salvation, their growing in Christ, those works that have been started by God are going to be brought to completion. God doesn't deal in half salvations. And I, over time, have come to a firm conviction that I believe in the eternal security of the believer, that you are safe in Christ when you come to Him, that God loses none of those that He's called. I think that's a beautiful doctrine, I think it's very important. I think that it's something that should be preached. God does not just save you. God also keeps you. It's all of Him. It's not up to us. Perseverance doesn't come from yourself either. It doesn't come from your might. It doesn't come from your willpower. It doesn't come from your ability to overcome. The result is sure because of the source. And the source is higher than us. The source of that perseverance is God. We should never look to our own righteousness. Never rely on ourselves. Always look to His mercy. 1 Peter 1.5 says we are kept for salvation by the power of God. And this is not just something that is true of the Philippians. They were a great church. He has similar statements about the Corinthians, the Galatians, the Thessalonians. If these kinds of things are true of everybody, it's not just true of them. It's true of us as well. God does not abandon His works. And because the only source of our salvation is in God, He gets all the credit. He gets all the glory. And we can praise Him for that for eternity. 
No matter what we go through, we know that we are safe because it's not just us holding on to Him. It's also Him holding on to us. What may seem impossible to me or you is not impossible with God. If you'll look at the next passage with me, we're going to be in the book of 1 John. In chapter 2, 1 John two nineteen. Where John says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might be made manifest that none of them were of us. So John's talking about a group of people that have left the church. They've walked away from Christ. And he tells us in the meantime, what does it mean if you don't persevere? If you fully and finally fall away, you fail, you... you are not a believer, you die an unbeliever, what, what does that mean if you once made a profession of faith? He tells us right here. It's not that God was unable to keep them. It's not that they uh, never walked the aisle, they never said any prayers. It's that they were never truly of us. If they had been of us, it tells us explicitly that they would have remained with us. And I think that's a very important truth for us to understand. I think it affects the way that we do church to know that false converts are real. People that say that they believe when they really don't. People that have no intentions of godliness. People that are using the church for their own personal gain. People that uh, are confused and don't really understand what they're doing. Uh, Just numbers, number of baptisms, number of professions of faith is not what we're going for. We're going for genuine conversion, changed lives. How do you know the difference? How do you know that somebody has truly come to Christ? Well, there's a bunch of things in Scripture that we could look at, but one of them is what we're talking about today. It's perseverance. It's staying in the faith. John 8.31 says, If you continue in His Word, then you are His disciples indeed. The ones that persevere are His people. Perseverance is the greatest sign of a true faith. God allows many false believers to fall away from the church, not from Christ, not from true salvation, but from the church. He does that for many reasons, right? Uh, He removes those people to show who the true believers are or to protect them from bad influences. And I want you to also know that God is not just dragging people into heaven. I I told you that uh, I I believe if you're saved, you are secure. You're secure in Christ. Now, well, you might say, well, what if 10 years from now I decide that I don't, I don't want Christ anymore? I'd say that's impossible. There's no way. Well, how is that impossible? Because God is working in you. God makes you willing. God sheds His love in your heart. He changes you from the inside out the day that you become saved. Uh, speaking of the new covenant we have in Christ, in Jeremiah thirty-two forty, we are told that God will put the fear of Him in our hearts that we will not abandon Him. We will never depart because of what God has done. He is the one that keeps us. All right, we got a couple more here. One of them is going to be Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. So if you'll turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. All right, and there we read, Therefore we also... 
since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So the first thing that you have to know about Hebrews 12 is that it comes right after Hebrews 11. Right, that's some golden commentary right there. You guys are getting good stuff. But we, we talked about that a little bit last week, right? Hebrews 11, all those great examples of faithful Christians, people that truly lived the faith. That's those cloud of witnesses that he's talking about. I want you to know that when things get difficult, when you face those struggles or those sins that you can't seem to overcome, that you don't have to do it alone. There are people that have done it before you, and there are people that are doing it all around you. God has given us the wonderful gift of the church. And He has given us great and marvelous examples in Scripture of how exactly we're to do everything that He wants us to do. The greatest example of perseverance is Christ. The one who deserved nothing. The one who walked perfectly and yet died on the cross that did everything that His Father sent Him to do. We need to fix our eyes upon Him. He never murmured or complained. And not only do we have great examples, but we have all of these brothers and sisters around you. Hebrews 10 tells us to encourage one another to love and good works, and that's exactly what we should be doing. The faithful life, walking with Christ, is not a solo experience. It's not just you and Him. This is a gift this is an opportunity. There are people around you that have all sorts of gifts and abilities that they can give you advice or comfort or knowledge or whatever the situation may be or may need that you don't have. Uh, and that might be difficult to say, I'm not self-sufficient. I need the church and these other people, but we all do. Everybody here has something that they can offer. Everybody here is part of the body. We all have different sins, different challenges, but it is going to be easier for each of us to handle all of those things if we do it together. That's the way that God wants us to do it. All right, and we'll look. We've got two more verses here. I'd like to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, where Paul again tells us, No temptation has overtaken you, except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you were able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. Okay, so we, we've talked about a lot of things. I understand that the need, the need for perseverance, where it comes from, the, the need of the church. But I also want you to know that God has always provided a way for us to be faithful. Sin is never something that is just necessary. God has always provided a way out. No matter how tempted you are to fall, no matter how difficult those struggles may be, God always opens the door of escape. There is no absolute lose-lose situation. There is always a way for you to be faithful. It's not something you do without God. It's something that He helps you along the way. He can show you a way when you see no way. He can remove from you circumstances that are stopping you or causing you to stumble. He can strengthen your resolve to do what is right, and He can lead you to others 
like he's done so many of us right here to others with strengths different than your own. Uh, And lastly, I want to look at one more verse in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. Revelation 12, 11, it says, And they overcame him, and that's Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. So we've already talked about the fact that our spiritual enemy is Satan, that we have to do battle with him. And this verse tells us exactly where our victory comes from. And it tells us that the decisive blow, the winning strike, was given on Calvary 2,000 years ago. Because of his bearing our sins, we can overcome no matter what the situation is. All his attempts to destroy the church over all these years have failed and they will always continue to fail. He doesn't just lose in our individual lives. It's not just that me or you can overcome him. I've read the last few pages of the book and the good guys are going to win in the end. God has everything in hand. Our God can overcome any stumbling stone that's put before us. These people, their testimony is their testimony to the truth. They helped to fulfill the Great Commission. They spoke about Jesus, no matter what the circumstances were. And they didn't love their lives so much that they were unwilling to die. Christ always comes first. It comes before our very lives. It comes before anything else that's in your life. He is always the one that's on the throne. And as we go through the rest of the week... I want you to keep that in mind. Always keep Christ first, and you'll be able to persevere. Run to win the prize that we've talked about, no matter what the circumstances, and God can still lead you through. And as always, if you're not running that race, there's no reason that you can't start today. No matter what the situation may be, if you'd like to talk to me, if you'd like to call the church, we'll find somebody to talk with you. But Jesus Christ has come to the world. He's died for your sins, and he's raised from the dead so that you may be saved. And I hope if there's anybody here who doesn't know that, that you would come to know that. That's all I've got for you tonight, guys. So if you would, bow with me. We're going to pray out.